Hey Geek fans, today we're talking about the Justice League update, creepy anthology shows, and internet haters. Hey Geek fans, we are back. Today on the Raving Geeks, we have, of course, Kelsey K. Cavazos in the house. Yo, what up? And Jordan Hermony in the house. Hey, hey. And we got Alex producing the, the mix today. He's here. He says hi. And uh, thank you guys for joining us again. This is our second episode. First episode went off pretty pretty well. I think things went uh, went good. We have new music. We got yep. a new tune in the beginning of it, so it's a little more heroic this time. Uh, it's a little deviation from our hip-hop sound. I don't know if that makes us less hip now. We're old people now. We're getting old, you know? We're def- I mean, that or we've moved out of mainstream so far that we're like hipster. We're like the ultimate Oh, no. Ooh, oh, God. You, like antithesis. We're sorry, guys. We're sorry we've become so hip. But hopefully we're not uh, annoying you guys now. But uh, yeah, today we're going to hit a little hit of news and then we're going to get into something that we've all kind of wanted to talk about for a while now. It's extremely timely. Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. But in the news department, we have an update from the Justice League production uh, it's a small update, but a, a significant one, if I must say so myself. Um, apparently, Jeff Johns uh, did an interview, and Jeff Johns, as you guys know, is uh, one of the most well-known writers on DC's stock. Uh, mm-hmm. Did a brilliant job with Green Lantern for many, many years. Wrote Flash, Aquaman. Um, he is now the the president and CCO, the chief yes. creative officer of DC Entertainment, which is DC's movie wing. Um, so he works with WB to make sure that these movies get done right. And therein lies the problem, is that some of these movies may have not been as well executed as we hoped. Um, interestingly enough, while we can sit here and talk about it, Jeff has actually been pretty candid about this. Um, in this article, he mentions that there seems to be this prevailing wisdom with WB that all these DC movies and properties need to be really gritty and dark, because that's like what it was. Um, that's a big misnomer, as you guys all know, because the only one who's really gritty in DC is Batman. Right. 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 No, 100%. You don't, you don't have gritty Superman all the time. Not all the time, yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's a definite push, especially in, like, the film aspect of, you know, DC. We have a problem of comparing DC and Marvel. And, I don't know, to me, it's pretty much, like, apples and oranges. Like, yes, they are all superheroes, but, like... You got to look at each one individually where I feel like people come into DC movies like, well, this wasn't like Joss Whedon and we didn't get six quips and a funny line. And like, I don't know. I I feel like, yeah, you got to like, I don't know. I don't like Suicide Squad. Suicide Squad was poorly put together. So that's one end of the spectrum. But like, I didn't think Man of Steel was that bad. And therein kind of lies your problem. I mean... Yeah, I'm, I I kind of agree with that, but also I feel like saying it's not that bad means that there's t- kind of issues with it's, it for sure. It's probably still pretty bad. Yeah, it's still- I mean everything has issues. Oh though. yeah, like, that's true. And I think the thing here is that like people have lobbed this DC universe into like a brand, right? Yes. That was like I mean they're obviously trying to compete storytelling wise and just like obviously the gritty nature they're trying to be like nolan's batman mm-hmm. and like as i said multiple times on this show before that's a high bar that's never going to be hit they need to go in a different direction um and honestly the only thing you really can do gritty in this universe is suicide squad which are basically just a bunch of batman villains despite right. a few exceptions you know and then batman himself and i think that's one of the biggest things that jeff mentioned in this article is that like 
the studio and also some of this fan group expects this to be dark and it doesn't have to be. And honestly, that's a really good point. I was actually talking about this with my girlfriend last night is that if you look at any of Jeff John's like Green Lantern run, none of that is dark. You know, I mean, there's moments where it's like sad and there's some brooding moments, but I mean, it's all very lighthearted. It's it's, it's space cops. Like, how are you going to make space cops like gritty and dark and mean space drugs well, space drugs yeah well there you go i feel like we definitely need like that infusion of you know a director you know john's saying like point blank like listen we need to find that balance between like keeping our trademark dc grim dark type of like feel but also infuse something that you know parents are going to want to bring like their kids to like i have three younger siblings they're 10 10 and 5 mm-hmm. and my brother and sisters uh, my brother and oldest sister both really like superhero movies. They're really into like Star Wars and stuff like that. But they won't sit through a DC movie because it's kind of like over their head. So you got to kind of find that balance of, I mean, who are who are we trying to cater to with DC movies? Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think I think the problem is that people expect now them to Disneyfy this. And I think the, the people who are actually fans of these movies. I mean, like myself, like I don't want them to see to do completely 180, you know, and have like an Avengers format in most of these movies. Do I think that there's room for them to be less gr- like gritty and grimdark? Of course. Um, I don't I mean, I really like the Aquaman take that they're doing. And I think that actually kind of validates maybe some aspect of grittiness to it. But I don't want to see Flash done like that. I certainly don't want to see Cy- Cyborg done like that. Right. Um, those characters are not built for any of that. Right. So, I mean, it's just, it's to be seen. Um, but a lot of people are, are taking this as like a weird backhanded, like slap in the face to what came before. Um, so I don't know. People are really excited about John's taking over. I am too, but I guess the proof is in the pudding. And he kind of talked about something that you just mentioned is that like the direction style, right? Mm-hmm. Ben Affleck's doing his own Batman movie. He's writing the damn thing. He's directing it, producing it. Um, can I just say, like, that's the most, like, Bruce Wayne thing to do, though? I know. Like, can I just, like, point out, like, I'm the star, this is all me, and it's like, wow, this is really Bruce Wayne, right here in the flesh. What like, an auteur. <laughs> I'm taking over everything. Method I'm, acting to the next level. I'm Batman. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the thing, is, like, who, like, Warner Brothers is not going to tell Ben Affleck what he can and cannot do in his movie. One, he's Ben Affleck. He's been around forever. He's an Oscar winner for directing and for acting. Oh, like yeah. the man, the, yep. if, if anyone is going to be able to match that Nolan bar, even just to a degree, it's going to be Affleck. And I think that's really cool. I think that they need to really back off the directors. We talked about that a lot. So. But yeah, um, there's the Justice League update. We'll have more news coming in for that. Uh, there is a Batman uh, update, too. We were all very correct. Deathstroke is going to be the villain in the new Heck Batman movie. yeah. Pretty sweet. Dope. So we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit more about that at, at a later date. But one thing that we wanted to get to last time, which had to be just stricken from the record due to time, was talking about Netflix shows, things that we binged. And while we're going to get deeper into that in another episode, because I think that's really important, I think there's a, obviously a wide audience for that because we all watch it too, um, there's a really cool show that I like that's on Netflix that's getting a third season and I am extremely excited about I don't know if you guys have ever seen this before. It's called Black Mirror, um, and it's basically an anthology series very much like The Twilight Zone. And, in fact, I've seen I mean, I used to watch Outer Limits. There was a remake of Outer Limits that they did. Nothing really compared to that old Twilight Zone stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, but Black Mirror does a pretty darn good job. Um, so for them to be able to do another season for this, really exciting. 
But I digress. You guys all like the Twilight Zone, right? Yeah, no, I used to watch it a lot growing up, because, uh, like, for a while we didn't have, like, cable, like, that was, like, one of, like, the few channels we actually got was, like, Twilight Zone, and I still, like, to this day, like, casually, like, episodes will just come into the back of my mind, like, when I'm flying, I think about, like, the William Shatner, like, plane episode, where he kept, like, seeing, like, this weird, like, seaweed monster, like, out on the wing of the plane, he's like, something's messing with the wing of the plane, and, like, I think about that all the time when I go to fly, also... There was one where, like, this guy was, like, the last dude, the end of the world, and he was, like, a big, like, introvert, and he's, like, finally, I'll have all the time in the world to read all these books, and, like, he, like, trips and falls and breaks his glasses, and he's effectively blind, and he's, like, the last man on Earth. I don't know. Some of those things, like, they didn't have to be, which I really appreciated, they didn't have to be, like, outright scary to, like, instill this, like, oh, my God, like, type of, like, fear in you, because, yeah, you got, like, your pig doctor episode, and your you know, man on the wing of the plane episode, but like, I oh my know. god, there's a there's a man on the wing. Yeah, no, well, also because I was like a huge Shatner fan, so that was a big reason to watch it. But yeah. you know, like that's the thing too is like, I, I grew up watching all of this stuff um, on. I don't know if they still do it, but Sci-Fi used to the channel used to do like their New Year's Eve like yeah, Twilight Zone still, countdown, mm-hmm. which was really cool. And they didn't really get into a lot of really good episodes. I kind of only picked the ones that were really well known. Um, but yeah, I mean, I used to watch that stuff all the time. One of my favorite episodes is called To Serve Man, and it's basically like these aliens come down, and they're like, hey, we can we can offer you world peace, we can fix your soil, we can like end world hunger, you just have to like let us do this stuff and everything will be fine. So they don't really trust them, and then eventually they're just like, all right, we'll give you a chance. And everything that they said that they'll do comes true. Everybody's healthier, there's no more like need for weapons anymore, and then there's like this kind of like, Oh, we can like go study study abroad, if you will. We can go visit your your planet. And they give them this book, and it's all like in their alien, you know, uh, language. And all they can decipher is the actual like cover, and it says to serve man, right? So like, well, maybe they are altruistic. And the big t- plot twist is that it turns out it's a cookbook, and that they've changed all this stuff because they just want these humans to be healthy because they're taking them all and they're basically cooking them. Ooh, it's amazing. So stuff like I know everybody's like, oh, I got, I got the goosebumps now. <laughs> But yeah, that's like one of my favorite things about shows like that. Now, Kelsey. Yes. We when we were talking about this, you mentioned that you didn't really watch a lot of Twilight Zone. However, you did have a, a pretty terrifying experience riding the Tower of Terror. Yeah. <laughs> you see, sir. Back in the day, I uh, I actually went and read it. Or I'm sorry, I wrote it when I was like really little. I was probably like eight or nine. Yeah. And it scared me shitless. I'm sorry, we're gonna have to bleep that. Bleep bleep. Um, sorry, Alex. Like literally, like <laughs> no, poop your pants I did or? not. Okay, I did not right. actually poop my pants. <laughs> we had um, to shut down the entire ride because Kelsey. Uh, <laughs> because a child defecated. <laughs> um, no. No, but I used to have nightmares because at one point in the ride, it takes you through this like hallway and it's just glowing eyes everywhere and when i was a kid i had those glow in the dark stars all over my walls so at night it would tear like i would have to sleep with the light on for like years after i read after i wrote it because it scared me and then in high school i went with some friends and did it again and um i was like sitting next to my friend kyle and i was like kyle i'm just gonna be honest with you I'm going to have to hold your hand because I'm a little scared. And he goes, that's okay. I probably need it more than you do. So that was like one of my favorite moments with my, with my friend. And, and then I wrote it and I was like, 
I don't know why it scared me so much as a kid, but... But when you're a kid, stuff like that really freaks yeah. you out, man. Um, I'm trying to think of what... There was a specific Twilight Zone that just always messed with me. It's the mannequin episode. There's a, there's a mannequin episode where, like, there's, like, this department store, and, like, all of a sudden, like, these mannequins, like, start speaking, and it's, like... It's like like tele telekinetic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they're, they're talking to this one woman, and like she doesn't know why they're all talking to her. She's like having like a hysterical like moment. The doctors look at her. She's like, she's fine. I don't know what the deal is. Yeah. And then lo and behold, it turns out that she was actually like a mannequin. And like all these like mannequins in the store have like a lottery that like they pull, and like you get to be a human for like a month or two or a couple of years. And that the whole thing is that you have to come back, and they you know be a mannequin again. And, like, stuff like that was, like, okay, that's really cool. But when you're a kid, that freaks you the living oh, hell yeah. out. Oh, yeah. They, and then they had some, like, real, like, type of, uh, like, moral battle things. I remember there was one where it was, like, this guy, like, knew when he was going to die. So, like, he tried to, like, avoid that. There were two in particular that, like, dealt with death that I think I might be, like, confusing are them. You, are you talking about the, like, the Cuba episode? I might Cause be. Because one of them is, the, you're, yeah. So, One of them is, like, this guy, like, knows when he's going to die. And, like, that always kind of freaked me out. As, like, a little kid, it's, like, what if, like, you could just, like, to the day, to the second, be like, yep, it's going to happen on this day and this month at this time. And, like, that always, like, gave me such massive anxiety. And there was, like, another one about, like, a guy who was, like, oh, like, if you don't cross the street here, like, you won't die, but this kid will die in your place, like, whose life is worth more? And that's a very big existential crisis to have at seven, so... Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's the thing, too, is that Rod Serling was, was such a genius writing this stuff, you know? Um, and he didn't write every, every single episode, but obviously he was the architect for all of this. He really just knew how to get inside people's, like, just mundane fears and turn them into something really, really, like, righteously evil. Yep. Um, but let's not kid ourselves. There are plenty of campy moments throughout the entire series. Uh, I remember one episode, uh, there's something that this girl gets lost in this portal in her room like, to this other dimension, and they're trying to figure it out. But, like, so the parents, concerned, they're all worried about where their kid's at. Don't think to call the cops first. They don't think to call the fire department <laughs> they first. They call, like, a paranormal investigator. They call a physicist that they just <laughs> randomly know. It's like, oh, I, I got somebody coming over. It's like, oh, it's a physicist. Like, who just randomly has physicists? What, you don't call up your local I was gonna say, physicist it, on the reg? I Maybe that's what they mean by make America great again. We just like, need to call physicists. You just gotta come back to like, calling your local physicist. Who needs like, the cops when you've got a physicist? Apparently. So he solves the problem, which I'm glad they called him, right? So that's yeah. like, you know, but like, come on. It's like, he's a physicist. But yeah, I'm excited to have this again because this is, you know, like I can watch Twilight Zone all day long. I can talk about it all day long. But to have something that's really modern doing it again is really cool. But speaking of who you're going to call, I mean, that's kind of like a nice segment into, you know, our main meat wow. of this episode. Wow. Look at jo- that. Look at you, Jordan. Just the Stunting new Segway master. That's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty smooth. Uh, the, the past geeks would be proud. Yes, yes, yes. Our main segment is uh, a little bit of a controversy that brewed all summer long. I mean, heck, it brewed all year long. Um, Ghostbusters came out. It came and went. Uh, the critics loved it. I personally loved it, being even a big Ghostbusters fan. But that movie got a lot. And when I say a lot, I mean... A lot. A lot of hate. Um, from every which way. The uh, most hate. Whether, yeah. Whether it was, you know, fanboys who had, like, grown up with Ghostbusters, like, middle-aged fanboys, not, like, digging the female cast, or just the fact that they were doing it again. Um... 
it got really, really ugly there. So ugly that the movie suffered a $100 million loss. Jeez. And the likelihood of a sequel is pretty, pretty null and void. Um, and yeah. I think um, I think Sony did it. I'm pretty sure Sony did it. Um, I could be wrong, so excuse me if I am. But the company came out and said, like, we're just going to kind of focus on animated series now. Um, so they have two animated series work in the works, which is cool. Yeah. You know, give me all the Ghostbusters content you can. Right, of course. But I'm really disappointed because I really dug the movie a lot. I think all of the women on the cast, even Melissa McCarthy was really good, and I'm not a big Melissa McCarthy fan. Um, did you guys see it? Did you guys happen to check it out? I didn't get a chance to get around to it. I started watching, like, a pirated, like, version of it online because <laughs> I was not near a movie theater for We are going to get sued. Yeah. You didn't hear me say that. Sorry, but, um, I mean, I didn't watch the whole thing, so I can't, like, get in trouble for it, right? But Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I think that's how that works. For yeah, educational right? <laughs> purposes only, you know? Yeah, yeah, for the for the sake of this podcast. Um, like you were saying, I didn't think it was bad. Um, I feel like people definitely have this issue of touching anything that, you know, nostalgia has its hands on. I mean, yeah. there was backlash with when Star Wars was being made over, oh my God, we're casting a black stormtrooper. And it's like, you kind of got to wonder how much is nostalgia... And of like please don't remake what I remember from my childhood and how much is like please don't remake what I know from my childhood because that represents me and I'm against the idea of opening it to yeah. you know women and people of color and like I, I don't know <laughs> yeah no I definitely agree I'm really tired of this <laughs> mentality that things in the past need to stay the way they were and they right. shouldn't be touched or changed because that feels very stagnant to me like why would you, why wouldn't you want new content and why wouldn't you want to see a new generation get excited about something it, it doesn't make any sense to me it feels very selfish yeah oh absolutely and i mean i guess there is i mean the, the prevailing thought is that hollywood is so out of ideas that they need to do this to keep their margins up and i under and i understand that criticism completely but like yeah exactly you're exactly right what what gives these people the right to say that this is mine and you can't remake it for anybody else. There was some picture that came out, I think, on the on the premiere, um, that Kristen Wiig was walking the carpet, and there was like some little girl in a Ghostbusters outfit. Yeah. And like this, like this is why we need this movie. Exactly. And this is why we need more roles for women in these kinds of movies too. Well, because then you got to think too. It's like we, and not even talking about like nerd stuff here, but like we, when we talk about like classics, like classic plays, classic like whatever, like. I hate, like Shakespeare stuff has been redone like over and over and over again and we revere him as a classic and you know we've done a ton of different adaptations of like Oscar Wilde stuff mm -hmm. and you know whatever like the Greek classics so I kind of wonder like when like society nerd culture I don't know if it's like one or the other but when we got this idea that like you can't touch this like this is mine because I like you're saying like you it's boring that's there's I enjoy the fact that with, you know, Star Wars, we're starting to, like, go in between, like, this movie and this movie and getting more material. Or with Ghostbusters, you're adding, you know, a different... You're in the same type of narrative, but from a different lens. Mm -hmm. Like, that lends yourself so much more to world building and so much more to, you know, seeing more of this type of... I don't want to say arc, but more of this type of, you know, world that you're in and, you know, who what other people experience when they're in it, so... Yeah, and it's... It, I... You know, me being such a huge fan, you know, I'm always wary of this kind of stuff, but I'm not so close-minded that I won't go see it and, like, try to give, like, a positive, you know, right. um, look into it. 
And I really did. I didn't have high expectations, um, but I really enjoyed it. And I think that people need to kind of just back off. If a movie defines you, there's probably a problem and there's probably a void in your life that needs to be filled. You know <laughs> what I mean? Um, I mean, as big of a Batman fan as I am, like, you know, if like they make a crappy Batman movie, I'm not gonna be like, my life is ruined and you've just destroyed me. Um, I got how that. How dare you? How dare you? Yeah, exactly. It's it's just it's just really really stupid. Um, and I think another part of this has to kind of deal with not just this movie in general, or even the fact that it was just women. It's the culture of hate on the internet oh, that yeah. is kind of like spewed out now. Um, it's spawned in this like really really dark evil thing, and it's 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 really like very focused on nerd culture too. It goes yeah. back to what you were saying, Kelsey, about this like this definition of personality based on your nerdy tendencies. And I know that we all get caught up in our own stuff and we get mad if something's not good. Right. But that's a big difference than calling someone out on a Twitter. And saying racist and sexist. Misogynistic things. Right. I was going to say, yeah, if they don't make like a good, I I don't know, whatever it is I'm into, you know, if if Stranger Things season two ends up being crappy, which, you know, crossing my heart it's not i'm so ready for season two it's not even funny are you gonna be on death watch if it's not are we Um, gonna have to like call in the no no because stranger things does not define me as a person but my point is it's like uh leslie leslie jones leslie jones she like her nudes got leaked she got death threats she got like racial slurs like i'm sorry if like you are that mad over like Whatever it is you're watching, you need to take a step back. I don't care what Get it is. Get a life. I, I don't care if it's sports. I don't care if it's politics. Like, if you're resorting to, like, literally telling people to go kill themselves and, like, trying to, like, ruin somebody's career over something that they just did because it was fun. Ghostbusters should be a fun, like, I want to bring my kids to this. I want to bring my, like, little siblings to this. I want to, whatever, go on a date and see this movie. Like, yeah. And that's just totally ruined it. That's brought such a damper down. It's not even funny. Yeah, there's definitely, like, a tendency to do things like this in the nerd culture. Like, I know a lot of, you know, female nerds, or, you know, um, I can't think of the specific one, but they, you know, they get threats of, like, we're going to leak all of your information, all your personal information, your home address, your home phone number, all of this stuff, because they, they call out things like this. Well, and look at Gamergate, right? Yeah. Yes. Anita Sarkeesian. Yeah, I mean, I, and I don't agree with, with her on a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I like, I'm I'm obviously sympathetic to all of these feminist causes, right? I'm right. a really big ally to all of this. Um, do I think that some people take it way too over the top politically? Of course. They do it on all sides. Did right. that deserve her getting that kind of reaction? Absolutely freaking not. No, it's Absolutely totally not. unacceptable. Yeah. And it's weird, too, because, I mean, even in the specific instance of Ghostbusters, this thing evolved from all these negative comments, the most negatively, like was it liked or ranked uh, like trailer on YouTube, you know, mm-hmm. and they made fun of that in the movie, which I thought was a really classy touch. Um, but yeah, you've got something like that, you know, saying like, Oh, women can't catch ghosts. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, are you like, you, you really? realize what you're for, saying? For real? Yeah. Like can't catch a ghost. Like hmm. the, okay. where's, where's right. your, where's your data on that one? Yeah. So I'd I need like to see to the uh, experiments. Some proof. Can, Can I see your hypothesis? I need to, I need to, you know, grade is, this a little bit. Like, I have a master's degree in ghost hunting and no women can catch ghosts. So stupid. It's ridiculous. Right. And then it evolved into this, like this, as you mentioned, this Leslie Jones hate which was really, really despicable. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, which, I mean, the entire nerd stratosphere knows about this. Um, 
Leslie Jones got in kind of a little bit of a spat with uh, somebody. Uh, Milos, whatever the heck his Milos name is. Milos Yiannopoulos or yeah, something like he's, that. Yeah, he's, ed- he's a web editor for Breit- Breitbart News. Um, so he's obviously really on the far left, really, really into the men's rights kind of thing, which is really anti-feminist, um, which is uh, really, really stupid, um, in my opinion. But yeah, um, not only did that happen, but someone called her some racial slurs. They made fun of her appearance. We kind of talked about that. And it spawned into this, her having this massive back and forth. And one of the things she said while she was tweeting was just like, now I understand why so many of my co-stars on SNL and other like people that I know don't have Twitters because they're subjected to this stuff Yeah, constantly. And there's no gatekeepers whatsoever. Well, and he even like edited fake tweets and said that she was saying like racist and other things which is insane to me because uh, you know I kind of did some research and there were like articles about him and they were like oh he's a journalist and I'm like then he's absolutely not a journalist first of all because if he's making you know photoshopping tweets to make it look like she's saying the racist things absolutely not he is absolutely not a journalist that's, no, that's not somebody, acceptable yeah. and that's offensive to me yeah um well, to us too I mean yeah. right I mean you know we all work here so <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's it's um it's weird to have seen this grow into something that is so hateful um and i guess i guess nerd like you mentioned nerd culture has always kind of been this way and i think this just has given this avenue to like well, being able to be like this because it's it's free it's on the internet constant connectivity connectivity yeah well i was just gonna say i feel like especially you know, going back like years and years, nerd culture has always had this kind of like I'm an outsider type of feel. And I I feel like when I'm trying to like figure out a way to like word this properly because it made sense in my head. But like nerd culture has always had this type of like outside, like I am the outsider. So like I like my stuff. And if you like my stuff, then you're an outsider too type of like deal. And so when somebody comes to like change it and try and make it for everybody it's this very like sink in your claws like do not like let this go yeah and you know if you're against me then you're against me because i'm nerdy not because you know i'm saying racist things or i'm saying sexist things and i i don't know i feel like it's always been there and twitter has just kind of been able to make that more apparent to the rest of us who you know you can log on to Twitter, you can look up Leslie Jones, you can see everything that anybody has tweeted about her or used her name in. Um, so yeah, Twitter, it's kind of a good and a bad thing. It's a double-edged sword. It's, you know, this anon- anonymity that, you know, people are granted. You can say whatever you want, but also at the same time, it lets people see, like, this is what people are really talking about. Yeah, yeah and Twitter actually did deactivate his account. He Thank God. Yeah, the Annapolis guy. He, yeah, they, he's no longer, like, he doesn't have a, an account. It's all taken off t- Twitter. And I guess, you know, I mean, because of her, you know, kind of star status, luckily, she, like, a lot of stuff was taken down. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, if it's an ever, average everyday person, it's less likely that these kinds of, like, horrible things that are being said aren't going to get monitored because they don't have that star power. Yeah, no, absolutely. And luckily for her, she had a bunch of people have her back, too. Yeah. And this was just awful. And it was really just this, like, small minority contingent of nerd culture lashing out at it. Which, you know, brings up a good point. And, Kelsey, you brought this up in our meeting when we talked about it, is, like, free speech 
on Twitter? You know, where does it go too far and what is protecting and what's not? And, you know, Jordan and I can both attest to this. If you had the, you've had your BCA media law class, right? Yep, I already took it. And we've had a journalism media law class. So we're both, you know, kind of all lodged into this. And there are very clear things about what the First Amendment protects and what it does not protect. Vulgarity, you not protected. No. Vulgarity is right out. Hate speech is. Some forms of hate speech. Is free speech. Is free speech. Even as, if we don't like it. As much as we don't like it. And um, that, that's kind of a weird line because, I mean, I think whereas the First Amendment clearly outlines what is and what is not, something like Twitter, which is a, a social service, it's, right. a, it's a business, it's a company, right? You have a large audience to please at any point in time. Um, it's also brand new, you know? I mean, it's not right now, but you got to think about the, the spectrum of like right, social media. And social, yeah, yeah well, Twitter is still evolving. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I mean, this is my understanding of it, that technically it doesn't, pro- you aren't protected and Twitter can still delete whatever they want yeah. because they're a company and it's not the government. It, it protects you from the government restricting your speech, not companies. Absolutely. And that's the thing, too, is that Twitter does have some pretty strict guidelines. Although I, I'd argue, and I think we were shown this and displayed this, that it's obviously not strict enough. Absolutely. You know, um, you have like just hordes, hordes of, of, of like white I don't think it's monitored enough. It's not. It's totally not. Um, and this deleting of, of Milos kind of sparked this conversation again, too. It's like this guy was just, you know, presenting his, his free speech, whether he, you know, agrees with her or not. No. Obviously, there was a breach. There was a line that was crossed with death threats, things like that. Yeah. That, none of that is protected by free speech. So it's um it's scary. It's weird. It's weird that, like, this nerd hate has also, like, attached itself to the Internet's ability to twist and just warp things. I just really hope that this doesn't, going forward, impact, like, directors and actors and, like, people who want to come forward who, like, you know, there's probably, like... A uh, young black girl out there right now who's like, maybe she's going to write the next big like sci-fi franchise like when she grows up. But like seeing this type of backlash like might make her think twice. And that's like that's kind of what I've taken away from this the most is I don't want this to in the long run be this way of making sure that like certain types of people stay out of nerd culture. Because honestly, like when it comes down to it, it's for everyone. Yeah. Like you might think you have ownership over it, but you you don't own Batman. You don't own Ghostbusters. Like nerd nerd and geek culture is at its zenith of popularity and mainstream popularity. And there's a reason for that. And it's not because, you know, these companies have just like cannibalized these these products and these these franchises and you know, made them something that they're not. Um, I think they're all still really staying true to what they are. For it's sure. just it's just that exactly what your point is, Jordan. Like people have realized that this is just something that everybody can dig, and I think that there have been a lot more comic book fans than they previously let on because there was that stigma of that you're just a nerd, you're outsider, you're a loner, and now that kind of is all gone. And honestly, we have the internet to thank for that. Right. But at the same time, we have the internet to kind of despise all of that. Um, I talked with Jay Farrell last night, which was kind of cool. That's awesome. Uh, not to brag on the podcast or anything, but <laughs> he uh, he came here to CMU. Uh, he did a stand up show with uh, two other two other cats, both really funny. Um, but we uh, we were able to talk to him after the show, and um, I could not get away in that interview without asking him about this Leslie Jones stuff because he was I mean she was a writer on SNL before she became a player, right? But he was him and he and Keenan were instrumental in getting her moved up. 
And, uh, you know, he just, he said the same thing. He's like, he couldn't even believe, like, how, like, you know, evil all of this was. I mean, evil's a little bit of a stretch, but I kind of have to agree with no, him. No, yeah, it was pretty evil. It's a witch hunt against yeah. her, kind of, essentially. Yeah. You know, and he's just like, you know, she was, she's been doing this for such a long time. You know, finally she's getting some notoriety, and, like, these people are just always there to just, like, knock you down, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's just sad. It's just totally sad. But Twitter, man. Twitter, Twitter, Twitter. We have a Twitter. We do, we do. have a Twitter. We don't say hateful things on Twitter. We don't. Um, as we, we let you say hateful things to us if well, you want. Well, here's, here's the deal. And we wanted to spin this in particularly um, because, as we mentioned each time, we actually enjoy hate mail. Uh, we don't want death threats, obviously. Yeah, that's a little too much. I don't want my nudes leaked. Yeah, please don't. Yeah. So, uh, wait, I don't have nudes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Oh, hey, wow. Yeah, but no, my point is this. Uh, we don't want you to do despicable things to us. However, we do enjoy a good kicking once in a while. If you I want mean, to rip on us, like, that's fine. By all means. Just go for it. But, uh, yeah, send us some messages. Send us some hate mail. Send us anything you want. Uh, if you have topics that you want us to cover, as we mentioned before, this is only our second episode, so we can still kind of do this. But, like, help us out. If, we, if you want to hear something that you like on this show... We can rant for days. We're the Raving Geeks. That's what we're called this. You want a little shout-out? We'll give you a shout-out. We'll give you a shout-out. Give us, give us some likes. We're all likes. about shout-outs here. Give us some favorites. Give us some, you know, give Tell us, us some what you follows. Love. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I, I have something for you guys for next time. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Yeah. Um, one of our esteemed uh, ex-colleagues uh, decided that he's going to regularly write letters to us. Ooh. Yeah. So, Which esteemed? Yeah. Well, who do you think would be the most apt to write us hate mail? Well, I would assume it would be... Yeah. I'm, I'm, oh, I can't decide it. between the two. How about this? I'm going to put this out there because I know this cat is listening. And if he's got hate mail, uh, I want him to at us and say it's me and say something despicable to us. Because you know who you are. I had a conversation with this dude this weekend. I think I know who it is. You might, but we're going we're gonna to let it We're gonna let it ride. All right. I'm, I'm mystery man. tingling with anticipation because I don't know who this is. I mean, I know one of the two, but... Yeah. yeah. I can't do that. I can't okay. do that at all. So, guys, we're here at the end of our episode. Uh, it was a short one, you know, but we did we did have a really deep discussion. I hope we have more of these things. Um, but next time, we're gonna open it up a little bit lighter. We're gonna we're gonna just tease a little bit. We're gonna talk about uh, some relics of the internet past, just to get you get you whistle wet. Wet your whistle. <laughs> I'm still so jealous you can do that. I cannot. I just Anyways. picked it up one summer, you know? So we're going to have some fun things going on, and we're also going to talk to uh, uh, a professor friend of ours, you know? Uh, yeah. He's been on the show a couple of times. Uh, Doc Summers is uh, on sabbatical. He's hanging out with his kids, cooking pancakes. But he's uh, he's going to be back on the show with us here pretty soon, hopefully next week. Um, so as always, guys, you can follow us on Twitter, which we just mentioned, at Raving Geeks. We have a Facebook, so go ahead and like us on there. Send us messages. And... Uh, we're also probably going to maybe, you know, branch out a little bit with some other social media. We're thinking about it. Maybe. We're, we'll yeah, get there. We, we can try. We can try. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll get there. Yeah. But thank you guys for joining us. You guys have a pleasant, pleasant weekend. And same time, same bad network. <laughs>